irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to The Horse Ownership Experience with Billy Koch and Michelle Yu, right here on LA Talk Radio. Horse Ownership Experience is brought to you by California Chrome and by TaylorMade Stallions. Call Travis White, 859-885-3345 to book your mare to California Chrome, not this time, Mishawish, and the Great Midnight Storm. And we are back. You are listening live to the Horse Ownership Experience. Happy New Year. We know we're very late to start the show. I'm Billy Koch. I'm the managing partner and the founder of Little Red Feather Racing Club. Alongside me, as always, the great Michelle Yu. Michelle, happy new year. A month late. <laughs> happy new year. A month late. Actually, today is Chinese New Year, so okay. happy Chinese New Year. Year of the pig. Year of the pig. Um, before, before we get started, I want to do a couple things. Number one, thank you to our sponsors, Delmar, Santa Anita, and TaylorMade, who've all come back on board for another year of the horse ownership experience. I can't believe, Michelle, we've been doing this for so long. And everybody knows we had to take a break. I mean, Michelle had a baby, for crying out loud. Let her be a mom for a little bit before she had to be put back to work, right? Pretty much. I mean, it's it's not just having the baby because we, we dealt with Olivia, um, you know, being a baby the whole time we started the show. But having a baby and the toddler, it just makes it for a really noisy situation. And Olivia's in school and it was just Tuesday's got a little over overwhelming. Yes, but we are back and we appreciate all the people who have uh, hollered at us on social media, media uh, at own a horse at BK LRF. And in person, because I've had and so in many person. people come up to me at the racetrack and say, we missed the show. Yeah. I heard there was a collection to get me paid. It was so so exciting. That's awesome. We're still working on that. I think we, we might have reached a cl- uh, we might have reached that pinnacle, Michelle. We might have oh, some cash. That would be amazing. Yeah. We're working on that. Mom's um, got to buy diapers. But listen, we are, we're glad to be back. We have a great show today. We have Barbara Perry. Uh, from Cicero Farms, owner of Marley's Freedom, owner of He Be Fire and Ice, who uh, had their had his first winner as a stallion, I believe, last week or a couple weeks ago. Michelle, is that correct? I believe it was his first. If not, it was just a big winner for I him. I think it was his first. I think it was yeah. too. So we have so much to get to. We're gonna Barb's gonna call in at about twelve fifteen, which is in about twelve minutes. But we have so much to catch up on because we we took this time off. So. Where do you want to start, Michelle? We have Pegasus, Eclipse Awards, we Derby Preps. After the Breeders' Cup, so just yeah. so we're just, we're at the fast forward through kind of all of that, and I do feel like we should probably talk about the Pegasus first and first and foremost because it was just a really stellar effort from City of Light, and social media made me insane talking about like Accelerate was tired because he wasn't loading in the gate, and <laughs> oh, he just never looked comfortable. John Sadler said that horse loves the off going, and that horse has been crappy at the gate the last like six months right so those are people are stupid and i don't care who on tvg said that they've never seen that happen before they need to watch their replays because he has totally been sour at the gate no yeah, that's nothing, nothing new getting beat no and c- congratulations to the warrens and and uh mike mccarthy what a what a big win and you you know what i like to see with uh with whitey that's his nickname um just the the raw emotion of that victory and knowing that was going to be his last race, I thought was touching, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, it was a nice way to end, to end it. Right. I mean, like, but it goes back to something we always say, Michelle is like, we now have this star city of light, right? He's just turned five. He's at the peak of his powers. He's at peak city of light. Right. Uh, you know, and boom, gone. Mm -hmm. How are we supposed to market the sport? If all of our stars are gone, you know, yeah, that's like, I it's like you. in the NBA, you know, well, LeBron's on his what? 
the 18th season, however many seasons it is, don't quote me. I mean, Kobe was around for how many years? Michael Jordan was around for how many years? You look at you look at football. We have Tom Brady just won his sixth Super Bowl. Congratulations, Michelle. I know Thank you're you. a big Pats fan. Uh, Tom Brady wins his sixth Super Bowl. Belichick's been around for – we have nothing like that. You know what the difference is, though, is those stars get paid as they perform. You know, you can't really make a ton of money in horse racing. Like, obviously, that horse won the Pegasus Cup, so he gets his share in $9 million, right? But with the exception of, say, three races a year, everything else is – I don't want to say it's pennies on the dime, but, you know, this horse cost $710,000. He definitely didn't make it up until he – even when he won the Malibu, I don't think he made it up. So right, he had to win like these two races to make back his purchase price, not including training and everything. So all I'm saying for is, those people that do want to make money, they have to retire him. All I'm saying is the system is backwards. It's, okay, it's, Billy, I have a question. Yeah. Do you think if we allowed like an X amount of artificial insemination so stallions could continuously race and they could breed at the same time because you, you'd be allowed to collect – um, do you think that would help? It's a great question, Michelle. I don't have the answer without doing any research on it because it's the first time we've talked about it. And I don't know. I don't know what it, what artificial insemination brings to the table. The mm-hmm. the issues, the problems, the genetic pool. Um, there's a reason we do it in thoroughbred racing the way we do, and that it's been because that we're way stuck for in the right. And I don't know if that's. I I, I don't know. I I can't mm-hmm. answer that question. I don't. I don't think I can answer that question fairly. How's, okay. Is that is that okay? Like I just yeah. I mean, l- maybe we bring someone on. That'd be a great guest to talk about that because I don't know enough to know what the pitfalls are. Mm-hmm. Right? What does that start? Uh, well, I mean, look in quarter horse racing where it's legal. There's no like real uh, limits, right? So like you can still breed to a stallion that's been dead twenty years right now. Uh, you know, one mare you can flush ten embryos, and if you can get all ten to work, you can have ten foals of the same mare. So. I think in thoroughbred racing, because we do have such a large number of, you know, breeding possibilities, I do feel like that should be limited to say, like City of Light, his first book is 165 mares. It should be you're allowed to breed X number of mares, you know, per your book, whether it be live cover or artificially. I understand what you're saying. So, so it have to, there, there's rules and regulations that go along with it. And I think that we should definitely look into it. Why not? We need I help. Think we, should, we need to get Pat Cummings on from the uh, Thoroughbred Ideas Foundation. I think it'd be a great idea. Let's bring him on. Let's call him for next week. All right. So, um, City of Light wins the Pegasus. Uh, very impressively. The Pegasus. Br- Bricks and Mortar won the Pegasus turf, by the way. Can I say one more thing about the Pegasus, the whole Pegasus thing? Sure. I, I didn't feel like it mattered. <laughs> like, is that, ba- is that bad for me to say that? I just didn't feel like it. I don't know. I didn't feel like it was a big deal. Maybe I felt it was a bigger deal when it was, you know, Arrogates or, or, you know, California Chrome was running. I don't. Maybe the City of Light Accelerate rivalry didn't do it. Or like you've been so conditioned to say like Breeders' Cup is the end of the year and now we're trying to give you another race. Possibly. Because like this is like now instead of Breeders' Cup, it's like, oh, that's their swan song. Now it's this race is like the goodbye race. Right, and so it doesn't even matter. Like, like, listen, are I, I want to give holes. everybody credit. Uh, you know, the Stronic group and and everybody put it on, and it's it's a it's a great couple of races. It was a great day of racing. Unfortunately, the, it rained like crazy and looked miserable out there. Um, I don't know. I don't have the answers. Again, let's talk to the idea people. And let's talk to the marketing people. For whatever reason, Michelle, I don't know. Like in Kentucky Derby, you and I get pumped up. Breeders' Cup, you and I get pumped up. Pegasus, meh. is it me? Okay. Maybe is it me? Maybe because it's people buy in instead of having to like qualify or whatever. And maybe it does have something to do with it being like the end of the year, like for before breeding, but it's also the beginning of a new year and Eclipse Awards are already said and done. So there's like really right. no ramifications from it except yeah, for the fact that you're money. now like a, yeah, you get a huge pot. It's like, it's just money. It, maybe it's just a payday that I just don't, you know, get behind. I don't know. Right. We'll have to work on that. Okay. Um, Let's talk about the Eclipse Awards. You you brought that up. I have a I have a funny kind of story. Do you want to go through it really quick? Talk about the big ones, and I'll tell you my my funny story. Tell me your funny story. So uh, I was uh, with Baffert, our good friend Bobby B. Um, right, they traded years with me in a heartbeat. <laughs> and you know, I started to think about it. I was like, "That's true. It's true." I mean, the guy won a triple crown, right? With Justify, right. Uh, he won something like. 20-something grade ones on the dirt, whereas Chad Brown, most of his were on the grass. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, you know what? 
he's got a point. Mm-hmm. I mean, we he didn't. I can't imagine he didn't win uh, in the Eclipse Award for Best Trainer, and he had a Triple Crown winner. Are Triple Crown winners now just a dime a dozen? No, but I think it was just the overall, you know, uh, like the Big Breeders' Cup Day and everything for Chad Brown. I think had a lot to play into it. Okay, because that's fresh in people's minds again. All so right. our human winners were Chad Brown. I read Ortiz for Jockey, Weston Hamilton for Apprentice, John Gunther, who bred Justify for Breeder, and Heronis Racing for Owner, which I think was the greatest, greatest, greatest Eclipse Award of the of the night. Obviously, Costa and Brother Pete are very good friends How of the show, are they and, and they put a lot into the game. And if you've listened to our show in the past, we've had Costa on at least twice, maybe three times. And he is—he's uh, so well spoken. He's so good for the game. He does what—he—he—he he, he, all he wants to do is improve this game, and he puts his money where his mouth is. Um, congratulations to the whole Horonas family. Stephanie is amazing. She's so sweet, and uh, I think it was well deserved. I think it was so well deserved. It's not—you know—it's not every day too that like obviously Horonas has grown to be a very large owner, but they race almost exclusively in Southern California. Most of these other owners have horses everywhere. So you get to see a little bit more of them. So to have an owner that is, you know, one place based and only had, I would say one, maybe two horses that were like grand stage for people to really recognize the input they had into the game, I think is tremendous. I agree. Could you very well said, Michelle, and and they did have stellar win the year before. So, you know, maybe it was a building of, of notoriety, so to speak in our industry that people are paying attention to us on the West coast, which sometimes doesn't happen, Michelle. There is well, whatever you want to say. There is an East Coast bias in our at business. The uh, Eclipse Awards was definitely West Coast leaning up. Accelerate took d- d- took Dirt Male. Uh, As he should. Unique Bella took Older Dirt Female, which I disagree with, but whatever. And then the other <laughs> finals were Able Task. Why did you disagree with it? So, I can't really. Who else older would who, female? who would you have voted for? I would have probably voted for Able Tasman. Okay. Okay. Um, I love Stormy Liberal getting male turf. He is the first turf sprinter who is exclusively a sprinter to win the award. Congratulations, so, Rockingham Ranch. Super. And they also won with uh, Roy H. as well. Roy and H. they were both back to back Breeders' Cup winners for Pete Miller and Rockingham Ranch Gary Hartunian. And also Justify won three year old and game winner won two year old. So all those are West Coast based horses. Yeah, it was kind of a dominating West Coast. Yeah. Monomoy Girl won three year old Philly and obviously well she's deserved. East Coast based. Shamrock Rose, who I disagree, I don't think she should have probably won as champion sprinter, even though she did win the Fre- Breeders' Cup. I thought that maybe she should have I think Marley's Freedom maybe should have gotten it. And then uh two year old female was Jaywalk, very deserving as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Congratulations to all the Eclipse Awards. Uh, By the winners. way, do you feel like Game Winner is like the most overlooked champion ever? <laughs> I, well, it's just hard because in his own barn, they have <laughs> so many like horses. horses as good as him. Right. I don't know if they're as good as he is, but I, it is, it's so hard when you have, uh, I mean, I'm probable, Mucho Gusto, him. Um, I, I, the list goes on and on it's as far as the though, derby right? horses. Like that, if you, like that horse in any other barn would be like, oh, Game Winner. <laughs> right. No one even talks about him. Right, it's, exactly. it is. You're right. I'm kind of rooting for him. I oh, kind of like him. him. You gotta like him. You gotta Especially like him. Especially because he was a cheapie for them. He only cost like 110 grand right. or something. Well, we have about one more minute till uh, Barbara Perry is going to join us from Cicero Farms, and her husband Ron. Ron will not be talking to us today. Um, um so the only other thing I thought was really cool this week, we can come back to other races, but yeah. the San Pasquale I thought was an absolute throwdown. And Battle of Midway outgamed McKenzie for it. I'm still not convinced McKenzie wants to be a two-turn horse. I think that one turns are kind of his bag. But Battle of Midway, that's a, the coolest story because it's great. He retired to stud. He was brought back, and a lot of horses don't get brought back at the same level. I think he's better than he was when yeah, he retired. You know, he won the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile. Let's not forget that. And, and yeah, he, but, but he was he, a long he, shot that this day. This is unbelievable story, Michelle. You are 100 percent correct. This is he. He left. He was gone. Mm-hmm. And he was—he proved he couldn't, couldn't, uh, a little infertile, and boom, he comes back, and all of a sudden he's beating up on the best of the best, as an, and he's one of the best. He's got to be one of the—he's got to be the favorite for the Sandy to handicap right now, isn't he? You would think so. I mean, I mean, good for them, good for them to bring. They struggle though, Winstar. You know, they don't have a lot of good horses. So, <laughs> um, well, here, no, they- here comes Barb Perry. I, I see <laughs> Ronan bringing her on he's doing something we have a new thing here at la talk radio this is the horse ownership Hello? experience there she is barbara is that you 
Yes, it is. Hey, it's Billy Koch and Michelle Yu from the Horse Hi. Ownership Experience. Hi. Thank Hi, you. Michelle. Hi, Billy. How are you guys doing today? We're, we're doing great because finally the rain has stopped. I don't know where you are in Southern California, but it has been very wet, as you know. Um, but we, we so appreciate well, you coming actually, on. Actually, I'm in Minnesota with my grandson at the Mayo Clinic, and it's snowing right now. Oh, I was going to say, Billy can't complain to her now. No, yeah, now I feel terrible. And <laughs> the Mayo Clinic, we hope dash. everybody's okay, obviously. We thank you for your time, and, and please give our obviously. best to your grandson. Um, Cicero Farms and your husband, Ron, tell us how it all got started. Give us some give us some history. Our, our listeners, we want to bring stories about owners all the time and, and get you guys in the limelight. So give, give, give us a little history of how you got involved with horse racing. Well, my father was had race horses and as a kid I always had horses uh the ones that couldn't run <laughs> so to speak and um I don't know we just um we got my father's last race mare when we moved to Montana uh back in 93 and um from there one thing led to another we bred a horse and it was in um it was sold in 2006 between the Derby and that year Barbaro won the Derby. And I said to my husband, I said, oh, isn't that interesting? The Kentucky Derby winner is out of a Carson City or, um, yeah, Carson City mare. And I said, that's the same breeding. That's the same sire line as our brood mare. And, of course, then he was like, oh, you mean we could have a derby winner. I said, oh, no, I don't think. <laughs> oh, Ron. But you know that's the way it starts, right? But isn't that? But isn't that the isn't that the the greatest thing, Barbara? That 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 could have been a derby. You don't know, and that's why we're in this game because we don't know where exactly. the next derby winners are going to come from, and we don't know whose farm in Montana it might come from. Correct. That's correct. Or you so know, how did you go California? Just- from one broodmare that was, can I can I back up on that story though? Did Ron find you that mare as a birthday present? Yeah. Yes, he did. Did you say you wanted it, or out. was that just a thoughtful thing? <laughs> yeah, you're gonna. Um, I I think it was a thoughtful thing because <laughs> it wasn't really in the plan, and I'm I'm positive he didn't realize how much work a horse is. <laughs> Because he went out and got it and then said, oh, you mean we can't go to the mountains for the weekend? We can't go here water skiing for the weekend? <laughs> we can't go to New Orleans for the long weekend? No. Somebody's got to take care of the horse. Oh. But you got him to fall in <laughs> total, love with racing anyway. Yeah, total backfire. Total backfire on that one. A <laughs> <laughs> nice thing that turned into something that uh, I'm quite sure, which right now he's home taking care of the other retired horses. So. <laughs> He's learning quite well. It wasn't quite as easy as he thought it was going to be. How did you parlay just this one horse, though, into what you guys have built as far as a racing stable and now a breeding operation? Well, you <laughs> horses are kind of like oh, candy or eating a potato chip. You can't have just one. <laughs> yes, I um, like that. You, you know, one needs a friend, you get that one a friend, you get into the racing industry and you realize very quickly that one horse just isn't going to work. So then you got, you go, okay, well, I really want to make this work. Let me get a couple of more. Well, racehorses, for whatever reason, are kind of like rabbits. They multiply. (laughs) <laughs> and it just, it seems like a natural progression. You fall in love with one of them and that horse does well. Then the next thing you know, you want another one just like that one. Yeah, it, and, make, it makes a lot of sense. I, I like your analogies. And the and the question is, you, you sound, Barbara, so very emotional and you're using these really nice emotional analogies, but there is a business to it as well. What did you sit down when you first got started and say, okay, you know, here's here's the business plan. We did. And we wrote out a business plan. We, because we run our own businesses, 
we were very focused on, okay, let's only do as much as we can. Let's be sure that one, we can take care of the horse. Two, that we just don't end up getting a horse that if it gets hurt, we want to be able to treat it the right way. We want to be able to take care of it. We don't want to just take it to the track and run it, even if it's not ready to run. We want to be able to turn it out, let it develop, bring it back, and try and do something. When you think about it from that perspective, you have to have a long-term plan. It's never really a short-term plan. You may want to go out and buy that yearling or that two-year-old in training and go, let's go win a couple of two-year-old races. And most of the time, that doesn't happen. If you want to take the time to let the horse develop and grow into the horse it can be. So um, when we did that, of course, that that first year that the very first horse, Atticus, was born, um, we went, as a two-year-old, we went to the Derby. That was the year Big Brown won. And, of course, we got to see the catastrophe of eight bells. That was extremely difficult if you love horse racing the way we love it but we also love the horses and to see that kind of and it just so happened the trainer we were with at the time ronnie warner larry jones barn was right across so we saw how devastating it really was to not only larry and the owner but the people on the backside that worked with the horse every day. And we made ourselves a promise at that point that we would never have our one of our horses run that both of us, or at least one of us would be at the races with them. Yeah, that's no, it was a, it was a terrible day. It was there. At, and, and Barbara, you bring back those kind of memories and, you know, we appreciate it again. Um, you telling us these stories and you've, 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 you started, a long time ago, but now it's kind of getting excited because you have a stallion, Hebe Fire and Ice, who you ran, and Michelle. I just got the chills, Michelle. Just um, and he had his first winner about a, I think, over the weekend. Tell us a little bit about. I mean, that must have been an absolutely incredible feeling. Our first winner for us. It was his second winner. Okay. Our first winner, uh, <clears throat> a filly that at the time when. We bought the mare to breed to fire. Um, some people were like, well, why did you buy a storm and fever mare? Even <laughs> <laughs> if she was a stakes winner. Um, and, uh, you know, the people who look at true necks, if you would have looked at that at the time we brought him, he was, it was, it, the cross was an F. And today, because of Pacific Heat and um, others, it's now a B. So, wow. you know, true next changes all the time. Of course. <laughs> you have to you... think about what you're doing. Knowing it, about... It just... Go ahead, sorry. It seemed, it seemed like a natural progression. We loved running fire. And had we been better um, racing managers, possibly he would have been even a better racehorse than he ended up being and we just it was exciting we'd had bred a couple well our very first horse and so we thought yeah let's give this a try and so we brought a blood our bloodstock agent Demant Latham from Kentucky out to take a look at him and say what do you think and he said well he's a very different normal unusual heat he looks other than being gray he looks a lot like a deputy minister type of horse he's mm-hmm. very stocky and stocky and more compact short-backed yes mm-hmm. and so um we said well what do you think and he said well i'll help you find some mares." so we went out about five mares and said you know we'll have a five-year business plan let's see how this goes and probably Trying to develop a stallion is a different mindset than somebody that we have been in the past where we've raced our, or went out and bought yearlings and two-year-olds and raced them. Um, because we've let 
our babies that we raised from fire develop into when they wanted to run, not push them to the races ahead of time. What were you looking at when you went and bought mares to breed to him since you had to support your own sire? What were you looking for? Did you have some prerequisites? Um, I did. I wanted mares that had run. I wanted mares that had made over 100,000. I wanted black type mares only because, like most everyone, you think about those are, you want to get close to success. And I wanted mares that had had less than five foals. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And it, so far it's worked. Well. <laughs> Tell us, a, give it, you know, listen. <laughs> yeah, Barbara, the, it's, the show is called The Horse Ownership Experience. So what was the experience like seeing one of the babies from fire, actually, that you bred and own go out? Give us a little taste of that. You know, I, it was pretty exciting. I I can't, I can tell you, um, and Ron, I'm the business manager, and Ron's more the big fan. Uh, he picked up Pete, <laughs> and uh, he was really hugging Pete and swinging him around. <laughs> <laughs> Peter and the trainer of the right. horse that won, so that was what happened. It was cold and, and rainy day, and a perfect ice storm romped. Perfect and ice And I could storm. just see Ron picking up Pete and kind of chucking him around. <laughs> It was, uh, yeah, <laughs> um, it, it was amazing. And I was really nervous. I could barely breathe before the race because I wasn't sure how she would run in the mud. And we had gone back and forth whether or not to scratch her out of the race or leave her in. And I was like, eh, you know, let's see what happens. I'm not, we haven't done this before. So it was it was exciting. It was, I and for her to run away like she did from the rest of the field, that was, wow. Was that it was impressive. Can you compare the feeling to watching a horse that you bought win to watching one of these foals that you, can you know, concept, had had the whole concept going and fold out and raised and have been patient with see win. Actually, no, because. I'll tell you, it reminded me, watching her run in the rain, which was not necessarily ideal conditions, but the way she ran away from the crowd completely reminded me of the of the first time watching Marley win her first race, where I knew Marley's Freedom was a really nice filly when I saw her as a baby. And I knew she was small, which made it easy for us to get her for 35000 And just seeing her grow into herself and win that first race was, no, I couldn't compare the two because you just, you, you really, if you really love your horses, you can't help but just be so emotionally tied to them. And when they do good, they're so excited and they're so happy. I mean, um, Peter Erton keeps the goat for perfect. And <laughs> the goat has horns. And she literally was grabbing the goat's horn and <laughs> the goat after the race. She was so excited. Only on the horse and, ownership experience do we have goat stories, which is fantastic. Those are weekly, by the weekly. way. I love to talk yes, about we goat. always talk about Michelle's goat. Tell, tell us a little bit more, about, uh, Barbara, about Marley's Freedom, because obviously she has taken you on quite a journey. Um, you mentioned you always knew she was going to be good, but then and then you made a trainer switch. And, and I think it's important to explain um, from an owner's perspective what happened there and give us some feedback And for people listening who do own horses or they're just getting into horses that it's okay to move trainers. You know, I will tell you that Every trainer wants to see the horse, the horses that they have succeed. And certain trainers have a, uh, a style of training that may not necessarily fit the horse and the way the horse wants to be trained. Every horse is an individual. And they thrive 
or don't thrive depending on what their their environment is. And when we sat down with our prior trainer and talked to him about Marley and said, you know, I feel she could do this and be better. He said, you know, you're probably right, but that's not what I do. Really? So Interesting. Yeah. And we're talking about Bob Hess. Bob too. Hess. Yeah. And so we talked about wh- where she could go to get that kind of training that she could excel in. Were you surprised you that know, Bob gave that response instead of saying like, well, you're right, I'll change how I train her specifically? No, because they are who they are. Mm-hmm. And, even, you know, I would think I would have been frustrated if Bob hadn't hadn't have put Marley first and said, because no one changed. You are who you are. You're going to do what you need to do and what your comfort zone is. And asking somebody to go out way outside their comfort zone probably isn't going to work for them. No different than if I asked you to walk on a tightrope across two buildings from the 10th store, you'd go, no, that's not going to happen. Uh, yeah, uh, I can tell you right now that's probably not going to happen for me either. I'm, not gonna, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, I'm well, a little fear of heights. I think that's a fascinating uh, angle because we never have heard that part of the story. You know, We've obviously seen the horse move from one bob to the second bob and sen- seen her excel under Bob Baffert's tutelage and the program that he runs, but I think it's very interesting to hear the behind the scenes to that whole story. Well, you have to think, I mean, we try and what we did with even our, our fire two-year-olds, our Hebe fire and ice two-year-old, is we sat down with trainers and we said, they're in training in Ocala. Go look at them. Tell us what, give us a draft pick. And Billy, I'm sure you've had trainers tell you before, well, it isn't the horse I picked out. I wouldn't have picked that horse out when a horse doesn't work for them. You know, that's very funny. In, and, in that accent that you did, that little, that's exactly how the trainers will talk. They will say, I didn't <laughs> pick that horse. You did exactly, that's true. And in fact, you're, it's really funny you say that, Barbara, because one of the things we were doing this year especially, is that we are making sure our trainers are in the decision-making process. Whether that's good or bad, we're going to see how it works. Because you're 100% right. I don't like when they say that. Redham actually uh, did that too. He would have all of his trainers come out to look at his square Eddie babies and said, pick the one that you want. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what we did, which is why Peter has the two fillies that he has. And Baltus has the ones he has, and it's working. And I think the thing that we forgot about is instead of giving a trainer a horse and saying, here, I want you to train this horse, and the trainer's looking at the horse going, I don't really want that horse. We got the trainer to buy into the horse that they want. Well, then they have a bigger vested interest in making sure the horse succeeds. It's a great idea, Which, and it's a great lesson. It's I a great think lesson. it's a little bit different than what we've always done in the past. But it's At least it has been. No, it's good. It's working. Right. Barbara Perry, Cicero Farms, it, joining us here on the Horse Ownership Experience. One more thing when we're talking about Marley's Freedom, and I'm sorry to go back to her, but she's an important horse for you right now. And now that you are in the breeding business, because she's valuable, and she will command a pretty penny when it's time for her career to to be done. Um. What is the plan with Marley's Freedom now that you are breeders and she would be obviously an amazing broodmare for your band? Well, she did just work this week, too. Yeah. (laughs) Yesterday. Well, that's what I'm saying. Well, Bob and I have talked about it. Um, We, um, Ron, Bob, and I would, would really love to see her, see if we could stretch her out. I mean, uh, a one-turn mile, she's proven that she's successful at. And so, um, you know, we really, really love the Philly, but obviously she's going to probably command a very good price at the auction. And I'm not going to say we're not going to sell her, but I'm not going to say we are going to sell her either. I think that's fair. Are, are you planning on racing her through the year then? That's our current plan. 
That's very fair. You I know, think you were very diplomatic. Knock on wood. I mean, you and I both know every day the horse is in the stall 23 hours out of the day trying to figure out how they can hurt themselves. Something can go wrong. It, it, but we, we, we are planning on running her. Were you happy that she came back out of the Breeders' Cup already to win the Gopher Wand? I was amazed at how well <laughs> she runs. I mean, that was and, a relatively quick turnaround after a rough Breeders' Cup. Yes, she has a really rough trip at Breeders' Cup. And to fly back across the country in less than a month and go at a distance that she's never gone before at a different track that she hadn't been on and put that performance together. And I really, and I think Mike would tell you as well as Bob, that she probably didn't particularly care for the aqueduct track and she gutted it out. And what, while she didn't win by open links like she has in California, what I am, as she did in ballerina, the thing that for me that I was the most excited about and super, super proud of Marley was this was the first time she got to where a horse came close to heading her. And she just said, no, you are not going to beat me. <laughs> and I love that. Well, I that is, just That's a great that. feeling. It's a great feeling. That's, uh, we, we talk you, about it all the time. That's, you, uh, you've said a couple times, Barb, about sitting down with your trainers. Are you a pretty hands-on owner or do you let them come with ideas and you kind of approve or disapprove? Or how does that work with your communication? Well, I always try to believe that we're a team. And the team's not just the trainer. The team's, it starts way before that. It starts with Devant. It it starts when we're actually looking at babies to buy or mares to buy for the stallion. Um, Tom Van Meter has been really, really helpful with us on that as well. And it from the time, you know, Renee Daly or... Joe Seitz gets a hold of them as yearlings to when they go to the Mayberries. We're all a team and we work together. And it's all of us collaborating on, you know, who and where to put the horse so that it gets the best opportunity possible. I think it's the way to go. I think you've provided our audience with some really ingenious ideas especially Billy, for the young you can't owners let her go yet because i know we have to talk about this uh what, what did i, I miss? read barb that one of your kind of business model type things is building a bridge between racing and aftercare yes can you kind of tell us a little bit about what you think about as far as aftercare goes how you are helping to ensure that your horses have a great spot to land well <clears throat> with our horses, knock on wood, so far, we've been able to take them home, teach them how to be either a jumper or a dressage horse or something else, and then we find a good home for them. And we've done that not only with our retired racehorses, but I've just done that with Let's. I had a yearling that had a knee issue and wasn't going to be able to run. Or, well, I should back up and say our veterinarian in Kentucky said, yeah, I wouldn't push it because if the horse had a problem, this would be a catastrophic injury. And I said, eh, hey, you know, I'm not going to do that. We found a lady in Alpine who absolutely was heartbroken. She'd had a retired racehorse before that horse for 30 years she had passed away and we were able to get her and this yearling together so we've tried very hard to find really good homes where we know where they're going to go we keep in touch with them we want to be sure that they all have a second career or their first career regardless with people that are going to take care of them um, Wes Champagne's wife has one of our retired racehorses, Anthem Lover, who actually was running at the same time we had Hebe Fire and Ice on the racetrack. 
a very nice little horse, did well, and uh, Kimber loves him, and she takes great care of him, and now he's jumping, and he's doing quite well. I love it. I have a qu- I have one question on that because both Michelle and I are huge uh, advocates for aftercare. And my question, Barbara, is how do we make more owners aware of their responsibility? Because I feel that it. I I know I'm on the Karma Board of Directors. Um, we've started LRF Cares. We feel like we're doing our part, but we can't do a part for everyone. Is it an awareness issue? Is it a, a a responsibility issue? How do we get the word out there that it is not just about racing your horse, but it is about the aftercare of your animal? I don't know, Billy, because that's something I've struggled with from the beginning. Are we are we responsible? I mean, at what point I are you responsible for them? Exactly. I can remember from the time I was young, and my dad had race horses. He always made sure it was it was a given thing that he did that you made sure you had a home for that horse when it no longer ran almost from the day that you got the horse. You know what I mean? And I don't know how you go about that, because I don't know if people nowadays that are in horse racing now, I'm sure that we can look at a lot of the old-time people, the Pegrams and and the West. They're committed to being sure that their horses are taken care of. But I don't know if we are doing a great job of, oh, you want to own a racehorse? And here's the obligation after it's no longer a racehorse. Right. Yeah. It's I, don't a- know, I don't know how we get past, uh, how we communicate that properly. Well, we're going to try. We have some strategic meetings coming up just about this subject, and we're going to do our best, and we'd appreciate any time you see an idea or you have an idea, please reach out to us. Obviously, you're very important in the game, and and you've been in the game for a long time, and just hearing you talk, we understand and appreciate your passion for the horses. So um, I'm going to leave it at that, Michelle. Yeah, advice. We have to get, get our advice. One piece of advice for a newbie, Barb, a newbie that's just getting into the game of horse racing ownership. What do you tell them? Do your homework. Good. No. Yeah, I learn something new every day. I consistently study all the time. Not just pedigree, which is extremely important in being a successful breeder to being a successful racehorse owner, but um, just understanding. Don't just take it at face value. Know what you're doing. Take the time to look at your vet bill. And if you don't understand what's on there, sit down with your trainer or sit down with someone who will explain it to you. Take the time to look it up on the Internet. Yeah, it's a great point. Understand everything that's going on. Yeah, there's a lot don't of... Don't stop yeah. learning. There's a lot of information out there, and I think all of us need to do our job, our, our due diligence. I think it's great. Do your homework. Is a, is a, it, You're not the first person to say that, and you won't be the last, and I think you're you hit it right on the head. So, uh, Barb, stay warm in Minnesota and come back to L.A. safely and soundly. We miss you out here and uh, continued success. We hope uh, Hebe Fire and Ice has a ton of winners this year, and, and we know Marley's Freedom is primed for a great year, and we look forward to seeing her race. So thank you so much for spending the time and coming on to talk with myself and Michelle. Thank you, Billy. Thanks, Thank Michelle. you so much, Barb. Appreciate it. All right. That's Barbara Perry, our first guest of 2019 here on the Horse Ownership Experience. And, I mean, Michelle, great job, um, great stories. and I love that she had great stories and was very thoughtful in all of her answers. Yes, you could almost you could hear her uh, taking a break and thinking about uh, how to answer. And I think that's what we're looking for. We're looking for these kind of owners that can come on the show with different types of backgrounds, different types of experiences um, that can share them with our audience because that's what I think. That's why I think this show has been successful, Michelle. Certainly, it's not just to hear you and me, you and I speak. Billy, do you know what day our first show was? I don't. February 3rd, 2015. Was it really? Yeah. So this is our four-year anniversary? 15, 16, I, 17, 18, 19? Wow, I cannot believe we've been doing this for four years. That's incredible. I know, me neither. It's because I, I have like a 
I have all the advice. Every time someone gives advice, I write it down. Yeah. And so I have like a whole worksheet. And so I just scrolled back to the first one, and it's Horse Acquisition Part A. That's amazing. 3rd, well, we've come a long way. We're back on. I hope, Michelle, you'll get this out on social media because I'm lame. Um, but I will do my part. I retweeted your tweet yesterday. I hope that helped for my you know 100 followers or however many I have. I'm so scared of Twitter, Michelle. I have to be honest Why? with you. Why? Just don't say anything stupid. I. But I can't I, – I just I I feel like you have to be on it all the time. Like we sponsored the Beamy Awards. I think you saw that. Yeah. Which was course. really fun to kind of follow along and see all these people that just kind of talk to each other. But I feel I don't know. I, like I feel like if I had to say something to you, I would just text it to you. I don't need the whole world looking at it. <laughs> right. Does right, that make sense? Right. Well, it's not, no, but I think it's not just for that though. It's for like if you want to give like a. It's kind of like an abbreviated version of Facebook because Facebook's been a little ruined now. Right. And it's like right in between that and then Instagram, which is like pretty much pictures only. Right. right? I still struggle. I don't know. I think it's just my age. I'm getting old, Michelle. You are. You are uh, getting old. Sad. Well, we have just a couple of minutes to wrap things up. Um, what's coming up at San Anita this week, Michelle? Yeah. So this week at San Anita on Fridays, I want to remind everybody that's in the vicinity that every Friday is $2 beers and $6 Baldwin bucks. And I have to say, I pushed for like a cheap beer day and I don't know if you don't do a great marketing job of it, but I want to make sure we're covering it because it's $2 beers every Friday. You know, we get all these people that come for like dollar beer day. It's like two bucks a beer is a great deal. Um, So every Friday we do that. And then Saturday steaks are Las Virgenes, the Thunder Road, the San Marcos, and the Baffle. Although we do have rain forecasted, so I'm not sure what they're going to do about the two turf steaks because those were pushovers from this week. Right. Um, Sunday is the San Vicente and the Sweet Life Steaks. That's a big race, the uh, San Vicente. That's a that's a derby prep. Who's running in there? Do we know? Is it Coliseum? Coliseum's the uh, headliner, and he didn't run very well last time. Well, you know, he's he's a nutter. He, in my opinion, he definitely needs a gelding, but you know, that's just not going to happen. I'm sure. And he has. It's so funny, Bob Baffert. Pretty much the only things his horses wear are ring bits, blinkers, and blue shadow rolls. This horse has come out in earmuffs, in uh, <laughs> ear covers, in draw reins, in tie downs, and now he's in a, a citation bit. So Bob is definitely kind of reaching into the old school trainer tool bag to try and get this horse's talent harnessed in the right way. Sure. So we'll see uh, which Coliseum shows up in the San Vicente, but it could be an interesting spot for sure. And No also- Instagram. No Instagram in there, right? Or is he, is he um, running in there? I don't Do we know. know. I know he's back and he's been working. Yeah. But I don't it know. It might what be his a possibility. They're calling him a possibility is. right now, but I don't know where he shows up. But he's obviously very talented as well. What were you going to say? Also, I, I yeah. want to tell people, too, that uh, we just un- unrolled a new thing on XBTV. So, obviously, XBTV has been putting out all these works. They're out there every morning shooting works, and they put them up for free on XB to be able to watch. But now they're doing um, something called the XBTV workout reports. So basically when horses get entered, you can log in that day and there's a complete list of like all the tracks that we cover for the next two days, what horses are in that we have works of. So instead of like searching through every single horse that you might want to see, you can just go to like the list in and it's two days out, you know, that's, that's put up there. So for Saturday, they go up on Thursday or whatever, and you can see, um, you know, who has works available for viewing. That's very cool especially for handicappers. I actually went on last night and watched a little filly of ours that's going to run on Thursday. I watched her this morning. Secret Spice. Yeah. I'm so nervous. Did you not like the work? It was awesome. What are you talking about? Well, I was just thinking, I'm like, she's going so easy. And then when I saw the times, I was like, oh, is Alicia's world going to blow by her? But, oh, she's just so <laughs> gutty, right? She was like, see you later, yeah. older bear. It was really, it was, you know, Michelle, it's so funny. I own 1% of this horse, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I, you know, I don't get nervous anymore. I don't know if you do, but I really don't get nervous before do, races because we've say. had so many, you know, it's just after a while, it, it uh, I got to tell you, last night I was getting a little nervous. What happened? Are you going to tell us why she went to why she couldn't make the La Brea? She had this uh, a, a little tiny thing on her hawk. It was like the, okay. the the tiny tiniest little nothing, and it it became like a bigger deal. But it never she never she never missed any training. She just didn't breeze. She right. never left the barn. She never. It was no no big deal. It was more uh, topical than anything else. So um, there's really 
I mean, the, there's nothing else to report, really. Um, right. We were it, we were erring on the side of caution. You know, she ran such a huge race and such a big number yeah, that she ran 106, didn't she? 106 buyer. Yeah, it was the second yeah. fastest buyer for a three-year-old filly last year. So also, you know, you had the bounce factor in there, and you had so we were being really patient. And then this kind of happened right as we were getting ready to run, and it just we just said, you know what, we're gonna. Okay, now I have to ask you though. Yeah. So you're bringing her back at a mile, which yeah. is tough. Uh, always wanted to. Wanted to go okay. two turns. Yep. And I noticed that like she had a longer layoff before, and when she came back, it was like a poo-poo effort. Is she gonna like need a race? I think sprinting was the problem when we brought her back last time. I think we ran okay. her off her feet. I think when she's able to, she's bigger, stronger, more mature, and I think she'll be able to just kind of when she goes two turns, she can kind of make her own pace, and you don't have to rush her. And right. I think in those sprint races, we were, you know, always trying to rush her because she's fast. You want her in the, and I think what, or what we think is a really, really, really special filly. So we'll I see what happens on Thursday. Special. I stinking love her. <laughs> Are you going to run even if it rains? Yeah, it's not going to rain. We're done with it. Okay. Yeah, we're running. Okay. Michelle, I'm so glad we're doing this again. I miss you. I miss you too. All right. Everybody out there, thank you so much again. Sponsors, uh, Santa Anita, Del Mar, TaylorMade, so much appreciate. We, we, we can't tell you. We can't do the show without you. All of our fans, we're glad we're back. We will do some fun things this year. Let's get some gear. We need some gear. Uh, and we really appreciate Barb Perry for coming on from Cicero Farms and, and telling her, telling all the stories about Marley's Freedom, He'd Be Fire and Ice, and, and how she got started. So it was a great day, great show, Michelle, and, and we'll do it again next week. Yes, we will. Okay. Thanks, Michelle. Miss you. Thanks, Billy. Bye. Bye. You're listening to The Horse Ownership Experience with Billy Koch and Michelle Yu, right here on LA Talk Radio.